When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It has been a couple of weeks. Hell, it has been a couple of years. Uh, as of this recording, it's June 3rd, and I'm not sure when or if we'll even air this conversation. Um, there has been a lot of stuff going on, and I'm not going to lie, it has been very hard to wrap my head and my heart around everything. Um, work and life have honestly been too busy, uh, too busy to find the moment to catch my breath, stop being angry, stop crying when I think too much about these things and hug my kids uh, a little too much lately. Look, this podcast comes out every week, and honestly, most of our content is pre-recorded and pre-scheduled because we want it to be evergreen, minority voices for all of our majority ears. Rarely do we break script. So naturally, even Sharon and I, other than some frenzied texts, haven't had the time to talk about things. And then this morning, I woke up to a late night email from my good friend in LA, my brother from another mother and longtime friend of the pod, comedian Rajiv Satyal. I'm going to read you the email, the first email Rajiv sent me. Raman, I'm sending an email about the state of the country. I'll warn you now that it is very negative. If you do not want to engage with it, feel free to delete it straight away and not reply. You're one of my closest friends ever and didn't feel right to not send it to you, but if you're not up for it, I 100% understand. Love, Rajiv. Now, the reason Rajiv sent that to me is back in, God, I don't know, 2016... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, Rajiv was saying a bunch of shit and he was honestly right and right right to be angry and I don't think I could hear it because I had a newborn kid um, and as is with my friendship with Rajiv it's a hot and cold one we're two brown men <laughs> so to be expected but uh, I told Rajiv no I actually I he I, I chose to read the email uh, and so I texted Rajiv and I was like let's talk fuck let's record at least so our kids can hear it uh, maybe no one else will so, Rajiv, uh, welcome back to Modern Minorities. Can you read your your email? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And I love how right before you said maybe our kids can listen to it, you dropped an F-bomb. So, wonderful, wonderful work <laughs> on that. Okay. Here is the email. <clears throat> the subject is American exceptionalism. And here is the body. Hey, so yeah, this is a copy and paste, but I went through the people whose opinion I actually respect and got it down to yours. As such, I am genuinely asking you to respond to this email. As you personally know, I'm a natural-born optimist, like a cockeyed optimist. Over the course of the last few years, though, I've become terrified about the current state of the nation and what's to come. The funny thing is, I started writing this before the latest tragedy in Buffalo. I mean Uvalde. I mean Tulsa. But these only serve to remind me how bad this country is for my mental health. And in fact, people like me are built to take the hardest fall because I believed in the promise of America more deeply than most. Indeed, the entire studio I built in my backyard is an homage to Americana. Trust me when I tell you that nobody is more disappointed and surprised that I could grow to despise this country. But I have. 
If it were just me, I'd probably skip town. Rest assured, I won't do that. I adore my wife and my son, and it goes without saying that my primary purpose in life is to take care of these two mammals. Before I go any further, let me assure you that my personal situation is more than fine. I thank God literally every day for what I have. I'm a boy from Ohio who owns a plot of land in California. And on that plot, I live with the aforementioned beautiful wife and beautiful son. I've gotten to do what I want for a living for the last 16 years. I have no history of anxiety or depression. I also have my physical health, knock on wood, and have experienced no real tragedy over the course of my life. I've had it pretty darned easy, and I consider myself beyond hashtag blessed for all that I continue to have. Not the least of which is my big dick energy, despite not having a big dick. That's tough to do. So even though your instinct might be to hope that I'm doing okay, while I appreciate that, I am not the focus here. More about me, though. To illustrate my point, let's go back to the year 1996. My personal situation was shit. I'd never had a girlfriend. I'd failed out of college and moved back in with my parents. For the first time, I had a visceral fear that my life might actually fall apart and I could end up a dismal failure. And yet, I could feel the crackling vitality of the USA. We were a people that knew who we were and where we were going. I think I've always been tapped into the zeitgeist in this manner, the ability to feel the entire system beyond myself. That's not unique to me. Reading the room, quote unquote, is part and parcel of being a stand-up comedian. Some people say that it's always been this way. There's always good and bad, and we're just more aware of it now due to social media, etc., I've had that debate many times, and I can assure you things are far worse in this country than they were in the 90s. And even if it's an issue of perception, then perception is reality. And the knowledge that, quote unquote, those bad apples are out there does indeed make things worse. I'm not interested in explaining feedback loops or going down this road any further. Back in 2014, pre-Trump, I predicted we had seven to 10 years before the nation collapsed. I didn't mean for the timing to coincide with the 2024 election, but I'm betting things are going to be really bad around that time, like Civil War II bad. I can provide much more data to back up my point, but I want to stop here for now to ask you to take a one-question survey. To me, it's sheer insanity to sit around and wait for this to transpire. Like, if my son Naveen looks up at me and asks, Daddy, if you knew something was going to happen then why didn't you do anything? That said, it's a classic case of presenting a problem without a solution. Corporate America will tell you it's bad to do that. But I've disagreed with that sentiment from the jump. Sometimes you need to state the problem and then work together to find a solution. To be clear, I don't think I've yet defined the problem, but I'm highly interested in having a series of conversations to do so. At a minimum, I want to take my friend's temperature to see where you are. Am I alone in this? Please choose one of the following, ideally by Wednesday, June 8th. There's nothing magical about that date, but that seems long enough for you to pick a letter, for shit's sake. How are you feeling about all this? A, you're right, and here's my plan. B, you may be right, and I'm down to discuss it. C, you may be right, but I can't get into this right now. Sorry. 
D, you're wrong, but I don't have time to explain why right now. Sorry. And E, you're wrong, and here's why. I realize this is a tough email to read, and as long as you respond sincerely, I'll receive what you write in the spirit in which it's intended. You're welcome to email or grab time on my Calendly so we can audio or video chat. Thank you so very much. Love, Rajiv. So first, Rajiv, thank you for, one, choosing to send this email to me, uh, two, uh, allowing me to con you into recording our follow-up conversation, but also um, sending me that first email. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, get ready. Uh, Because, you know, I think I reacted badly. But and it's not, not it's not my fault. I just it was in a weird state. You reacted ago. honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to answer your question directly first, and then we'll let that drive the conversation. You know, I'm somewhere between B and C. Between you may be right, and I am down to discuss it. But C, you may be right, but I can't get into this now, right now. Sorry, and it's not because I've got a new fancy pants job starting next week, and I'm gonna have less time. I'm going to be taking a break from recording all manner of podcasts. I'm sunsetting a lot of, or minimizing a lot of things I'm working on so I can focus on making the job and family thing work. Um, But honestly, um, it's an important conversation to be had. And I don't have the answers. This podcast is my therapy sometimes um, Mm -hmm. as it has been a couple of times. Uh, I've been trying to figure out how to bring my voice to this. Uh, to the handful of people that actually give a shit about what I have to say um, or what I think. Look, uh, so anyway, you and I are, you, Rajiv and I are pretty similar uh, based on what you wrote. I, uh, I felt that energy in the nineties. I uh, like Beck, I was a loser, baby. Um, and, you know, I'm a loser who made it. I have so made it. It is not even funny. Uh, as I sit here in my basement, waiting to go pick up my kids, <laughs> like, uh, you know, doing a podcast with, with a sick job, an awesome wife, awesome kids. Um, but I have wanted to um, yell, cry, and scream at the same time. This is, um, <sighs> older generations have said that, Rajiv, like that uh, mm-hmm. this, every everyone feels like it's so bad, but like empirical data shows that this is, as a society where, you know, uh, death rates are down, Birth rates are up, blah, 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 blah. Median income, blah, 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 blah. But we're, I don't think there'll be a civil war. I think it's just going to be a permanent state of skirmishes and violence. And I've i have read enough near future fiction, DMZ by Brian Wood, mm. uh, which is actually going to be a show with Rosario Dawson soon, right? Mm. Um, it talks about those sequences, and it's felt that way. The insurrection was felt like an early moment of that Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. I feel like a frog in boiling water. I think that's what our society is, Rajiv. And we're going to be cooked before we know it's too late. That's how I feel. Like I, I'm, I'm teetering the edge of optimism and pessimism. I mean, I can talk about seasons of life and shit like that. But um, I don't know. I want to talk about it. That's that's why you're here. That's why we're hitting record. Uh, you know, my my wife asked me the other day. So you know, you have a near one year old. I have a one year old, and I have a six year old. Hmm. And we've been getting emails from my daughter's school. She's a kindergartner, going on first grader, uh, about talking to your kids, and my wife pulled me and they do active shooter drills <laughs> they, my daughter knows what an active shooter drill is Ugh. my six-year-old daughter in kindergarten knows what an active shooter drill is i know sharon's kids probably do too and they probably know a whole manner of other things as black passing children um my wife asked me I was like should we talk to our daughter about this about what's going on it's like i don't know maybe she doesn't know maybe we should ask her what she's heard 
I hate that. We uh, uh, Reggie and I was talking to us catching up with our other friend, um, who we do some podcasts and audio and creative work with. Uh, him and his wife. He's American. His wife is European. They're living in Latin America right now for his wife's work. Uh, they mm-hmm. also have a near one year old. We were talking about this, and he was like, "We're not coming back." That's what he said. And again, he has an excuse. His wife is European. His kid is half European. I sent uh, him the spent... email too, and he replied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I just I feel like a frog in boiling water. I I don't know. You tell me. You tell me what. Talk more about your anger. Talk more about your fear. <laughs> I really appreciate this. No, I, I really want to listen to you. Look, I, I didn't realize how long that email was until I read it. I'm glad you had me read it out loud, and I all but performed it, not because I wanted to be performative, but because, and let's bookmark that for a second, because it's, uh, I, I don't want to trip over any words. I, want, I wanted the message to land, and if we, if we put this out, whatever, I want it to make sense. I don't want to have a bunch of uhs and ums through it. Because oh, I, to, to be clear, dude, to be clear, half of the shit you write I'm going to push on you pretty yeah. hard, actually. Yeah, that's why, I bookmark, you... that's why I bookmark performative. No, no, not performative. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, I am your biggest fan and your biggest critic as, mm-hmm. because we, we go back and Next we have a me. love-hate friendship. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe just biggest fan for me, but yeah. yeah. Fair, fair, fair. But um, I something you said at the beginning of this post and you've said it in other posts is mm-hmm. – you know, what are we doing? Like, let's get off the couch. And you have a voice and you have a platform. And I think five or six years ago, I got on to you for using that platform. But you've been writing a lot of shit. And I think you should put your voice to a lot of this stuff. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, you should put in as many formats as possible. And you should become more of an activist with your voice. Full stop. Like, now, it's one thing to just scream into the microphone like we're doing. Um, screaming into the wind, whatever it is. Um that's what I'm doing, at least with my podcast. That's all mine is, right? That's This podcast isn't a space to air my grievances on current events. It's to, you know, do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, minority voices for majority years. Um, that's what Sharon and I are trying to do. But, like, I think y- you have a platform. You have an opinion. And at the expense of losing friends, maybe. Like, I think mm-hmm. we talked about another friend of yours that didn't want to talk about this with you. A friend and a mentor, right? Like, mm-hmm. But I, I think I'm glad you read it. I want you to, I mean, you should be reading and recording it and putting it on your feeds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck, I am Indian. Fuck, I am American. Those are great. Go make this video. Make a bunch of these videos. Mm-hmm. Have these conversations. You're the man in the middle. Fine. Move the middle. <laughs> because yeah. there's some people in the middle that maybe aren't aware or aren't thinking about it. There is a movable middle in this country that can put pressure uh and bring people back to the middle um because i i don't know i'll firebrand it like i unapologetically i think will firebrand it even though i want to have the conversation i was having a conversation with a neighbor who was probably on the right uh uh politically right side of this issue who wants to talk about mental health it's as the Mm. only thing yeah like and i'm like you're wrong (laughs) it's not only that they're wrong it's also that Mental health takes – it is a heavy lift. I've gone to therapy for years. I've, I haven't gone now in a few years, but I went to two different therapists for a long time, and I want to change. I want – I'm enrolling people in my change constantly, and it's still hard. It's still a very heavy lift. So you know, just basic group therapy that Republicans or even Democrats could afford to send people to – it's not going to make enough of a dent. It is very hard. It, it, mental health or is it's fine. A piece, or it's a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's a piece. It's a piece of the puzzle, and 
You know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, spitting into the wind or yelling into the wind because there's an old quote that goes, good performances, good theater, good theater is therapeutic for the performer and the audience. Bad theater is therapeutic just for the performer. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we all all laugh because we all as performers, and let me come back to the bookmark of performative. I think that at the time is what bothered me where I think you and maybe others felt the same way. Maybe I was shooting the messenger, which was, it wasn't intended to be performative. I think sometimes, oftentimes, I can be performative because I'm a performer, but I don't want to hide behind because I'm a performer. I, let's get to the core of, of who we are as people and what we're talking about. It's something I, I genuinely felt, and I actually got a response back from a friend who just moved back to the Midwest, and she was out here a long time, and she said, I normally don't respond to emails. I haven't read her entire email yet because I fortunately got a number of replies and I'm very grateful for them each one and she goes I oftentimes don't respond to your crowdsource emails because I feel like a data point I feel like you don't really care what I think you just want to know what maybe my demo thinks or whatever and I'm putting words into her mouth to some extent but I I have a response to that and 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 she and I will take that up but this was something on which I worked for weeks it wasn't something that I sent I was drunk last night, but I had already scheduled it to go while I was sober. <laughs> I don't think I drink enough on this podcast. I, I drink on the other comic book podcast. No, I um, flip, the, flip it on you, though. Like, I think you have a platform and a voice, and that's why you should use it. And, you know, it's, I was talking to someone about uh, Colin Kaepernick the other day. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm all, I'm all about people getting out of their lane because mm-hmm. you have a platform. Yep. That's one of the reasons I admire him, right? Uh, as a namesake. I, uh, mm-hmm. mm. I uh, yeah, so I just, I think you should do more. That's, that's what I'd say. And I, w- I want us to actually talk about the it, like how we're feeling sure. about it. Because, um, you know, free therapy and all that. But, <laughs> I mean, it's... T- there are bigger puzzle pieces. Mental health is one, and it takes a lot more systemic change. Yeah, access yeah. to mental health care should be a right as part of health care, right? But that's a bigger onion appeal. But we actually have proven data points in other Western countries that when you create limits and buybacks and background checks, like – Correlation mm-hmm. is not causation, but fuck yeah, it is mm-hmm. in Australia, in New mm-hmm. Zealand, in Northern Europe, in the United Kingdom. Like, I, I just, the only thing that's different, there's an Onion headline, man, that has been repeatedly run far more than any other Onion headline. They just rerun the same headline and story. No way to prevent this, says the only nation where this regularly happens. It's the title of a series of articles perennially published by the American News Satire Organization, The Onion, about the frequency of mass shootings in the United States and the lack of action taken in the wake of such incidents. This is fucked up, man. Like, it mm-hmm. just... That's all. <laughs> it is. No, it, it, it is. And, and you know, I've been torn, and this will get to the it a little bit, but to make it <laughs> about me or about us, this is the issue with which I've been wrestling and Hersha and I, she knows that I sound like a broken record because I've long been at this crossroads, Raman, where it's been 
Do I continue down the path of the charity, corporate, you know, clean guy and all that stuff? Or do I become this firebrand? Do I become this person, you know, for the middle? And that was what Man in the Middle was. And I felt like that walked the line really well. I mean, it was a very much F Trump show. And I got a standing ovation in Cincinnati where at least half the crowd was supportive of Trump. And they stood on their feet too. It wasn't a half standing ovation. So my dad, when I was 12, I think, gave me a sign to put in my room. And of course, my room was covered. The walls were covered with Nike and all of that, but a lot of quotes. And the joke was, a diplomat is a person who can tell you to go to hell in such a way that you actually look forward to the trip. (laughs) And he goes, this is what you need to learn, my son. You are not diplomatic. I was 12 or 15 or whatever I was, but I was very much an adolescent. And the thing is, I fear... Once I once you go down that path, you can't really go back. Uh, once well, maybe not. If you go black, you go. You can't go back. But if you go dark, uh, you can't go back because you, especially in my case, because it's not like I'm a PG thirteen R comic. Uh, you know, already I skate close to that line because I don't swear on stage, but I do politics and religion, and so I'm already in this sort of middle ground. But I do. I think the reason I haven't done it now, at least. Because I feel like it's too late. I feel like it won't make a difference. And now I have a son to raise and I need to make money. And all the things that you I, I hated about, you know, yuppies and hippies, or not hippies, but yuppies and, and people who had to do it for the mortgage, the yuppie Nuremberg defense, as he says, and thank you for smoking. Now I'm like, yeah, but now I'm almost 50. <laughs> and so I think the time to do that was before maybe when I could have made a difference. And maybe I could have, but... I don't know. It's also arrogant to think that I could have. Yeah, made that I, I, I mean, I, I push back because I feel like some of the pushback over one of the many conversations in the last four or five years was, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to be able to look at your son or your daughter or any children and say you didn't do everything you could? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm doing everything I can either, you know, um, but um, and some of it is, you know, during the pandemic and we're still in. Mm-hmm. It was not about shaming people who weren't getting the vaccine, but it was having a conversation and trying to understand and meeting people where they are. I really mm-hmm. think a lot about the movable middle more now than ever, right? I think about um, we had a uh, we had an artist on this pod mm-hmm. who talked about, and she was an artist, she was a writer and an activist, and she's written some beautiful works, but. And some of which were activist driven, but she's knocked on a shitload of doors in Atlanta to get out the vote, which had a meaningful difference. And she basically says, uh, this is Anjali Anjetti. She says Mm. something to the extent of it's great to perform, but then go knock on doors, like get Mm. people elected because we have a dysfunctional minority rule system right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And the only way to fix it is either the civil war path or the through the system path. And there are ways to fix it through the system. There are, like, say what you will about, like, crooked media. Um, is it partisan? Is it left-leaning? Do I like it? Absolutely. Cool. I, I listen to far too many crooked media podcasts. But <laughs> they also have Vote Save America. They also just raise money and awareness for issues. So it's a very boots-on-the-ground sort of operation as well. 
as well as entertainment and media, et cetera. And so I guess my my push on a guy like you is you can still make money doing this. <laughs> like, yeah. and, I'm not, and I'm actually not saying go to the far left. I'm not mm-hmm. even saying that. Like, I'm not saying go be Bill Maher. But what I am saying is I think you can use your power and platform either to move the middle or to drive awareness um, more than most people can. And so I don't think you're as at much risk as you think you are. And I think if anything, your son should be a reason why to do more. Mm. Yeah. I, I think this series of conversations, and this is the first one I'm having, and I'm honored to have it with you, and I'm really honored that you would consider it important enough to record. I do feel like maybe this will be a change because I got some responses that were, you're wrong, and let's discuss it. And I mean, I guess to totally name drop, Hassan Minaj was one of them. He wrote back paragraphs and links and he's like i'm optimistic and he gave reasons i I don't remember it all now because again i'm still swimming through all the data but this could be a turning point it could be something where i go okay let me figure out what i can do because in the lord of the rings the worst character to me is is that theoden king theoden the one who just basically just keeps giving up he was the one who was under the spell of the guy that i always call ozzy osborne <laughs> it's not this isn't ozzy osborne but you know he would just like lie down and be like well it's too late there's nothing we can do and i'm like you're such a pussy dude like get up and fight like go down swinging like fallout boy like don't just stand there i mean you're the worst you're worse than the evil people because you know better and you're a king and at a minimum go get killed on the battlefield like you can't just leave the women and children at helm's deep and fall to your knees and say there's no way we can do it so to avoid becoming my least favorite character i think you know sugar we're going down swinging you you got to come up with a plan so hopefully by the end of the series of these conversations maybe i'll feel like okay there is something i can do well, I mean, I think uh, back to your original question in your email, like that's where I'm, why I'm kind of between B and C. Like mm-hmm. I have to be optimistic. I cannot give up. Mm-hmm. I can't. Like, I mean, that's just a really cruel thing to do to kids. Um, I have to help them confront and face this world that they're going to inherit or do my damnedest to. And it's not even about protecting them. It's about preparing them and doing my best to kind of mitigate the risks of the world around them. And it's, man, you and I and Hassan, he's a new parent from what I understand as well. Mm -hmm. I think too now. Um, We're all of means. Let's be clear. We are of means and we live in nice urban, suburban, rural, whatever bubbles, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and be it gun control or um, abortion rights, we, man, my state's going to be fine. I hate to say it. I, mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. However, Sandy Hook is down the street from me. You right. know? Um, I remember living through that. I remember it was in the office where I worked with a lot of people who had kids in the area. It was a 9-11 moment in the office. Um, and it could happen here because state by state isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Guns travel borders. Illinois has tough gun restrictions, but the the violence, where do the guns come from? Mm-hmm. Massachusetts, you know, et cetera. So it's it's not just Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, Buffalo, New York, right? It's just like access 
I, I don't know. I um, and so how do we put pressure? I mean, there, there is a, a federal, there is a state by state, a patchwork of solutions isn't going to solve it. It really is. And it shouldn't be just move to the state, move to the place where you can be in your comfortable bubble. Um, because that's selfish. That's inherently selfish. It is. When people say mind your pack, I have this disagreement with a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine in Ohio all the time, in Cincinnati all the time. And his take is mind your pack, take care of your own. And I said, I'm not built like that. I'm an engineer. I think of the system. That is how I live my life. It is very hard for me to ostracize and put my head in the sand and say, well, we're fine. And I attended a political fundraiser last night and I actually sent the same email to the man who organized it. And I said, this is going to be funny because we're going to this political fundraiser. And yet I'm going to send you probably the most negative email you've received all week, if not (laughs) all year. And, you know, it was at a multi-million dollar home and the people there were very wealthy, but it was encouraging. A lot of the issues that the candidate wants to address, she's a centrist and she wants to address homelessness. Most of the questions were really sincere and kind. You know, they weren't get these people out of here. There was a little bit of that. I'm not going to say there was none of that. But one of the men who got up and spoke, a Middle Eastern man, it was, he's a developer here. He was, you know, spot on. He's like, these are people. We can't just like kick them down the street. We need to figure this out. And there was another uncle type guy who said the same thing. And I was encouraged. So things like that, you know, do give you some hope. But I often hear what you just said, which is, I can't give up. And I'm like, well, that's not a reason to be hopeful. It's a reason maybe to be optimistic, to, uh, to adopt an optimistic mindset and to choose to be optimistic. That's a choice that we all can make. Yeah. I mean, and the answer is going to be in the middle. Like, it's just like understand reality, you know, the adage, it's more important to be effective than it is to be right. And I I even think about Mm. our political discourse. Look, I'm unapologetically progressive leaning, but I think, look, I'm going to try not to say too many negative things about the right and kind of what they're doing. And I'll push on the left. Like the left is choosing to be more right than effective. Like, Mm. Like, I do think we have to, if, if we're going to pass anything, compromise, in, change is incremental. As if we're waiting for the next crisis that's going to mobilize us to action, I, I hate to tell them, I hate to tell everyone that we're just going to go back to TikTok and Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. the next distraction is going to, we, we become so numb to it. So take the incremental change, take it in small steps, because I hate to say, that's what the right's been doing for their agenda. Yep. Yeah, taken slow, small steps for thirty or forty years. Be it at the district or federal court level, be it at state houses, be it with lobbyists and PACs. And it's funny you I say do... it that way. They filtered it down, national then state. They're always a step ahead. Then they go to the states. Then they went local. Now they're on the school board level, right? It's the reverse of how politicians go from school board to presidency. They are always a step ahead of the Democrats. They're playing a different game. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just think the answer has to be incremental. I, I don't I, I don't I just don't have faith that there will be like a magic wand waved. Anyone who's waiting for that to happen. Uh, as I said earlier, I guess your kid's going to be going to active shooter drills for a while then. 
painful but true. There are have been several books written about the public education system, not necessarily about guns. <laughs> Sad that I have to separate those two out. But one of them, I think, is called Waiting for Superman, and another one is called There Will Be No Miracles Here. Mm-hmm. And it dovetails beautifully with what you're saying, and you've stated eloquently. It is, it, it, you know, I always tell people this: failure is exciting, and success is boring. You know, I do the year of the hustle where every day I do 50 push-ups. I do a hundred sit-ups. I walk for, you know, at least 20 minutes today. We did an hour, more than an hour. And you see the changes over time. It's not going to, you're not going to get ripped after three months of doing that. And a mutual friend of ours in Cincinnati, I, we did body for life and he's an Asian man, an East Asian man. And he eventually had that great body and I did it for the requisite 12 weeks And I did it hard and then I gave up, which is something I tend to do. And he goes, dude, we're Asian. (laughs) We're we're modern minorities. (laughs) You're South Asian, I'm East Asian. That's for white and black people, man. They could do that. They could do that shit in 12 weeks. You're going to have to do this for nine to 12 months. I said, I don't have that wherewithal. He goes, well, then you won't have the body for life. And I think that's what it is now is you look at, I'm so pissed at the left. Like this is what makes me so mad is when Hillary was running and then and and then Trump said it. He whispered it. He he said it in his thing where he goes, "You have no choice but to vote for me." You know, two words, Supreme Court. Okay, he told you. He said the quiet part out loud quietly, but that was our cue to then go hold our noses and vote for Hillary when Bernie was no longer there or whatever else. You have two choices. Okay, you got to you got to do something here. And then I know Ruth Bader Ginsburg, hashtag RBG, is a huge hero of the left. She's no hero of mine. And when she died, I was so angry at her and everyone else who was like, oh, notorious RBG and got the T-shirts. And okay, where are your T-shirts? But like Bill Maher said, you know what's more effective than protesting outside the Supreme Court? Being on the Supreme Court. Because now Trump made three picks. And I'm tired of losing. So, so- and it's it's the choice of not step down earlier is kind of what, why you said that. Yeah. Obama yeah. sat down with her in 2014 before, you know, first term. And they would have gotten him through. Or they would have gotten somebody through, Merrick Garland yeah, versus or somebody the, like versus that. Versus the right is putting, like, teenagers on the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, with the co- clock winding down, they get three picks. And at least with Brett Kavanaugh, the left fought. I don't know that I entirely agreed with every aspect of the fight, and that's a different topic. But that you know, the left I mean, not so, like so, hear, so, we're, we're I admire getting, the getting, fight. We're getting into the weeds of the politics, yeah. but I think it's the the strategy, the framing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, another podcast I started listening to, and it's kind of right leaning, uh, is All In. Um, it's with the four besties, three kind of prominent Silicon Valley guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth listening to, and there've been there's been a lot of talk of this. Um, and I mean, the middle that moved that brought Trump into office, the middle that moved that is leaning towards and supporting some of these right leaning things, is kind of the middle and the working class. Like mm-hmm. I hate to say it, it's it's not us, man. We can be all angry and say what you will about RBG and watch Bill Maher and listen to crooked mm-hmm. media, but they're not doing capture. That. Yeah, it's capturing the middle. It's it's always been about capturing the middle in the hearts and minds and the the messaging and the framing of how this is going to be good and and meeting people where they are about these issues. 
talking to gun owners about what's okay. Like, you know, like it's fine that we are a gun owning country. And so, and calling the people out who don't want to be in the middle, be it even in your own party, like be the party of the middle and you'll win. Like that's uh appeal to the hearts and minds of the middle. And, um, Mm-hmm. Do I want all the things on the far left? Absolutely. <laughs> but that's a fucking wish list, man. We're not going to get after that stuff. Right. But I don't want my kid to ever have to need the active shooter drill. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just. Uh... Joe Biden started with his speech. It was a step forward when he talked about freedom. And you're talking about framing. And his framing was good in the speech that he made on Thursday night, the 2nd of June. 2022 and he talked about the freedom not necessarily the freedom to but the freedom from right the freedom from being shot the freedom to be able to and i know that's a two but to be able to live your life alive (laughs) that's life to be alive and i did not watch the whole speech to be clear but that framing is a winning possibly i haven't seen the polling one data point here but like my friend in the Midwest is one data point for me is the idea of saying, this is, this is how you win. This is how you win. It's a story. It's a narrative of buying people, you know, um, people buying into something to go. Okay. You're right. That's a really good point. And for me, it's, I will pull this car over right now. What did dad say? I will turn this car around right now. What did teachers say all the time? They said, if Bobby talks in class, then nobody gets candy. And I, that used to make me so mad. But we're we're all bobbies and we're shooting up schools. And guess what? You don't get guns. You guys just can't do it. You can't handle it. I'm I am pro Second Amendment and I'm pro Second Amendment for the farthest right reason, which is a tyrannical government. That's a pretty far right position. And it's the only conservative position I believe I have. I do believe that governments over time. Yes, they do clamp down on people and all of those things. And China would think twice about invading the United States because we're armed to the teeth. I don't know how you get past bakersfield because we're just so armed the minute men and the texas rangers will take them down even if it's half a billion people we're super armed. in the constitution it says a well-regulated yes and that is the issue the individual right to gun ownership that was affirmed in the 90s again this is a conservative supreme court i'm with you i do not think it means i think it's fine i think it's even fine if there's an individual mandate for a certain type of gun a certain gun for hunting or for home defense. If one guy is coming and you got a handgun, I understand that because that's real. And I don't love that, but that's society. It's just like abortion. I don't love the fact that people have to get abortions, but sometimes people have to get abortions. And to tie those two issues together, for me, it is unacceptable that people have people killing weapons. That's insane that the average person can have an AR-15. That's nuts. Something um, I've, I've referenced uh, the other podcast, uh, Chamath Pala, Palapdaya. Uh, Bless I apologize. you. Yes, I apologize for uh, mispronouncing his last name. But on an Asian Chamath... podcast too. This is uh, yeah. It's an American crime, podcast. Crime it's, a, it's an American podcast. Um, okay. <laughs> something Chamath said was he talked about nine eleven. He's a brown man like us, and sure. um, you know, terrorists attack, terrorists attempt to have a shoe bomb. And we bore the brunt of um, profiling. We all take our shoes off now at the airport because of a bunch of assholes in 2001. Mm -hmm. And all this shit happens and we can't inconvenience ourselves enough. 
to do a few more things to jump mm-hmm. through a few more hoops to get your guns that's that's what that's what's just nuts like i don't know what the stat i mean one stat biden did say in a speech and but it is it, i think it's in the last year more children have been gunned down than cops and soldiers oh man yeah i saw and, that and, i mean and too. i'm sure you can run the same stat about the amount of people who died in 9-11 <sighs> versus the amount of people who have died ever since oh. or these preventable things through regu- sensible regulation we're not coming to take away your guns we're just let's let's do some racial profiling for young men who are bullied and let's get them the mental health they need but let's if you see something say something like because because mm-hmm. it's going to be your son it's going to be my daughter it's it's statistics don't lie man it's it's kind of nuts yeah and i don't know i think our dogma on either side has kept us from solving this it's not it's not that hard that's the funny thing it's actually not that hard that's it's maddening well i think making some of those changes is not that hard but the reason i'm so disheartened is it's a deeper issue you know george carlin american dream came out on hbo and i watched it it's great it's a documentary about his life and it's four hours long, but of course I'm a comedian, so I'm going to watch it. And, you know, he, he actually, uh, they showed a snippet of an interview he did with Chris Rock on the Chris Rock talk show. And I was actually just watching that same whole interview a few weeks ago. And George Carlin talked about drugs. And a lot of these issues are similar, man. Not the same, but similar. And, you know, the idea where... He said in the beginning, drugs, there's a lot of pleasure, very little pain. And over time, that inverts. And there's a lot of pain and very little pleasure. But he goes, what's important is people need something to live for. And that is really what it is, man. There's loneliness. There are ministers of loneliness in countries now. And, you know, I think it was Yuval Noah Harari who wrote that. It was, for sure, he who wrote the family and the community have largely been replaced by the market and the state. You know, we, you and I have a real friendship. We have something that very few people have anymore, which is the ability to really call each other out. And we get hurt. We get butt hurt. We're sensitive. We do. I get hurt. You get hurt. Mm-hmm. But we're better people for it, I believe. And we have a real friendship where I'm like, that son of a bitch, bastard, Ruman, why did he write that to me? Or I get so mad at you. But I know that you're coming from a good place. And we have something where we can talk to each other. Now, people have a really hard time asking yeah. anyone even for a favor asking your neighbors to do anything, go run and get an egg. My mom used to do that with our, our, our neighbors from, they were from Holland. They're white, but they had the same immigrant mentality. Just run over, go ask Sonia for an egg. And, you know, we'd leave toys at each other's houses. And that's what it took. It took, it takes a village. I know Hillary Clinton got, for whatever reason, crucified for that title. I don't know why, but it was that where other parents raised you too. And there was this community aspect and, you know, you get things like where this kid shot up a school. I mean, he's 18. He's isolated. He shoots his grandma in the face. Like, obviously, he has mental issues, obviously. And there's no excuse for any of that. And no one should read what I'm saying that way at all. But that we failed him. The society failed him. Where was someone coming over just to ask him to hang out, go do something, go to the mall? You know, but we all we grew up with these kids, man. So some of them were just... They were losers. They were outcasts. Like you were saying you were a loser in the 90s, but in the best way, you were a nerd. You weren't a dork, I don't think. And 
We have to give people a stake in the system. It's the same thing I've said about the Middle East for the longest time. You've got to give those countries a stake in the system beyond just oil. And when people feel like they don't have a stake in the system, they want to burn the whole thing down. And that's what we have. I think I think some of it, though, is you know, just to draw a very straight line. And I'm actually going to pull a George Carlin quote for you. But um, back then, those losers couldn't get their hands on these guns that fast. Back then, these people couldn't get on the internet and look up these things easily. It was hard. It was harder. The as we like to say in the tech sector where I work, you know, the barriers to entry are lower, and it, it's a flywheel effect. The access to these communities, this access to these thoughts, these echo chambers, and then the ability to do something about it. Um, we didn't have that back then. Um. So I worry about that. So I, I, I'm going to get political and I'm going to the George Carlin quote that's been coming up a lot lately. Mm. Uh, I thought this is where you were going to go. Um, and then we can try to wrap things up. But sure. uh, in 1996, in his HBO special Back, to, Back in Town, uh, Carlin says, pro-life conservatives are obsessed with the fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No nothing, no, neo, neo, no neonatal care, no daycare, no head start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. And uh, we've dismantled all of the systems, man. Like we have dis- in, the, in the chase for the market, in the, the elections, in the primaries, we have dismantled all of the systems. And it's easier now. The barriers to entry do not exist. Um. He called it in the 90s. <laughs> Just yep. In the email that I sent you to bring it full circle, because I know we both have to run, I initially, initially had pasted my favorite George Carlin quote. It's just, it's very long. And it's a, an introduction from his book, Brain Droppings. And it's from 1997. And I felt like it cut my point down a little bit too, because people could be like, well, what about this quote from 97? It was just that, <laughs> yes, but, but he's a prophet, right? He's, he's someone who's telling you where it's going. That's the thing. It's like I said this stuff seven to ten years ago, but Carlin said this stuff and has been saying this stuff, you know, since the 70s, 80s, 90s. So I also felt like that email was long and why I didn't include it. But it's something that I think everybody, if you want to Google, if you're listening, uh, you just put in. It's kind of hard to find, actually, but it, it, it's called uh, Brain Droppings, his book. It's the introduction to that. And it should come up if you look for it. So do uh to wrap things up, Rajiv, uh, tell me something that gives you hope. I'm going to force you here. I'm going to force you into a corner. Something that gives me hope beyond the micro seeing my son smile and when people give me those answers, it's like, yeah, I know, but that's that's not a macro writ large kind of answer. I do feel like most people are good. And this is what my mom says all the time. She goes, I know you want to write things off and burn it all down and all that. But she goes, the reality is when you walk down the street and talk to people, for the most part, they're still good. They're still nice. They're still kind. And look at our immigrant story and how many white people we're friends with, how many Asian, black, Latino. And that does give me hope because that's what's great about the United States is there are multiple cities, not just Paris, not just London, multiple cities in the country where there's diversity. 
And if there's anything I hate, it's large groups of the same kind of person. So as my friend, our mutual friend, Azar Usman says, so you hate countries? I said, yeah, I hate every other country. This is American exceptionalism. This is why America is America, because you can come here and you can have a Vietnamese lunch, banh mi sandwiches, and then have tikka mika, tikka, uh, chicken tikka masala. And then you can have for dinner and you know, you can have quiche for breakfast the next day. Like that, you, you can't get that in multiple cities in most countries. doesn't exist. And that's what's great about America. And that does give me hope because that means there is some hope of a melting pot. Well, I think if people are good, people have the potential to be good. Um, we have to meet them there. We have to meet them with that expectation and help. I, I actually don't think my positions are the answer. That's the funny thing. I don't. Uh, I, I made reference to the uh, the bus stop dad that I, I had lunch with the other day. And we were on opposite sides of this, but we had a pretty civil discussion. And I actually told him at the end of the conversation, I'm glad we're having this discussion because this is one a lot of people aren't having right now, aren't willing to have. Um, now the question is, what are we going to do about it? Right. But like, you know, we both have kids in the same school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just uh, I think more talking is better, but better than talking is action so um, I, I don't know what to tell people this is for you and me i guess so thanks for the conversation i love it thank you so much my friend super super cathartic and therapeutic and i do think it was good theater <laughs> <laughs> come back to me with a summary of all the emails <laughs> and all the conversations you're gonna keep having keep having those conversations and getting out more i love you brother love you too man. bye And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segel. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.